0: Well, it's about time you got here. TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. TGIF indeed. I'm Gary Mans. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour and always happy once again of a Friday to be working alongside, even though we're separated by approximately 3,200 miles diagonally. I'm talking about bad boy Benny Mathers at the board. How are you, Benny?
1: Did you have to look that up?
0: Yeah, we drove it. You have yes, a factual right. number then, okay. <laughs> wow, I just love our diagonal connection.
1: It was funny, so I was it, just watching the other day, like, the world record for Coast to Coast, it was like 23 hours or something like that, it was ridiculous, I mean, oh. like, I think uh, you have a challenge in front of you.
2: Oh, it took us only 10 days.
1: So, I mean, you got a little waste. <laughs> you got a little bumper, but you could, you could make that up somewhere.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You want to talk about togetherness, Suzanne Mitchell and I, I won't say blissfully because, you know, we had our issues about, you should have turned back there. Don't tell me. that You had that kind of stuff when you're traveling together in close quarters in our SUV. But we spent 71 days on the road together and neither of us came back with any bruises, blemishes or scars. We just had many, countless experiences that we now have to share for Mm -hmm. a lifetime.
1: That's true love right there. That's true love. I mean,
0: thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's true we'll love. be playing Bakersfield next Friday night. So
1: it's hilarious and also cool about that whole thing. I mean, yeah, you had a long time next to each other. <clears throat> sure, plenty of stories going back and forth. You're obviously radio hosts and, and, and stuff like that. But like taking a quick left or a right somewhere could easily be made up somewhere else if you're doing 3,200 miles. So the language, mm-hmm. I think, should be easily. Uh, accepted at that point you know
0: like and a lot of the things the roadside attractions are great but you have to be willing to go off the beaten
2: path of course so there's that option too mm-hmm. we we decided we were going to go visit jimmy carter on one trip Ooh. and we got to the intersection and we stopped and we got a uh, drink and peanuts and then we said now how far is it to plains georgia and it was going to be I, was about a hundred miles maybe And we looked at each other and said, well, that's a hundred miles there. And then it's a hundred miles back to the (laughs) interstate. So do we really want to do this? And we said, nah, let's go home. I would have done it
1: (laughs) if it was the largest ball in twine.
2: I guarantee I would have done it for that. (laughs) You and John Travolta. Right? (laughs) Loving it.
0: Very good. The largest ball of twine. So much of life. I think even without our conscious awareness, maybe we become aware after the fact, but we tend to live our allegories and our archetypes. If you're going to start talking that way, you'd better consult somebody who knows what he is talking about and did something about it through a magnificent book called
2: The Mosaic.
0: And of course, I'm talking about Daniel Bruce Levin.
2: Daniel Bruce Levin, a connectivity expert and business leader works with governmental organizations, corporations, and businesses to improve how people treat themselves and each other. Sharing a message of unification, he is a popular speaker for groups whose focus is on problem-solving, innovation, and conflict resolution. The Mosaic came out in 2018. It's now a five-year-old book that is still relevant for all time and we highly recommend it. And we are bringing back Daniel Bruce Levin for the seventh time on our show since 2019, because we just love to talk philosophy and life with Daniel Bruce Levin. So welcome once again to Manson Mitchell.
3: What an honor it is to be with you. When I got the when I got the email from you, I was so excited because I've been wondering, I was literally just thinking about you guys, just wondering how you were doing, how your new year was, how what was happening in your life. So I'm so g- happy we get a chance to catch up.
1: That was probably on day 54 of their road trip, maybe <laughs> somewhere in between there, low 50s. <laughs>
2: So, well, let me ask you, Daniel, we met you when the book was sent to us back in either 2018 or early 2019, when the book was relatively new, and I fell in love with it. It is just a wonderful allegory about life. We've talked about the book um, several times during your conversation here, and we'll probably even dip into it a little bit today because it's so rich. I've recommended it as a gift book. Christmas, birthday, anniversary, whatever, because it's just filled with wonderful stories and good information. But let me just ask you, after five years, is the book still selling?
3: The book is still selling. And more importantly, what's happening for me is that it seems like life spirals. And each time it spirals, it gets a little bit deeper. You see the same road signs. Like, it's so interesting. You were talking about your road trip, because I'm about to take the mosaic on the road. In 2024, when I finished writing the mosaic, gosh, I didn't even realize it was five years ago. I would have said three years ago, but that's how time flies. Crazy. Um, But when I finished writing the mosaic, it actually spoke to me and said, it's time for you to go out on the road, just like Mo, the main character, and start to sit with people that nobody wants to sit with. Sit, Go to, go to places where people love each other and hate each other. Go to prisons and hospitals and, and elementary schools and colleges and universities and just sit with people and listen to them and love them. Love and accept them, listen to them and hear them and see and acknowledge them. And I was about... I'm going to say roughly 40 days away from starting the trip. And then the pandemic came. Mm. And so I ended up not being, obviously not being able to go. And I ended up taking all of that onto a screen by doing Zoom calls and having people, you know, meeting people over the internet. But really relevant just yesterday, my wife was going out and needed to get some things. And she said, why don't you come along and I'll drop you off in a coffee shop. And you can just sit in a coffee shop while I'm doing some stuff. And I realized how long it's been because my body has been acting up. I have a a lot of pain in my body. And my body's been acting up and I haven't really been able to go out too much. And sitting in that coffee shop, I realized how invisible I had become. Like I'm very visible through a screen. But in that coffee shop, there were young people studying and gr- groups of four or five people coming. And I thought, this is exactly like what I'm going to do on my, on my trip. And if I, am, if I am irrelevant in a room like this, why being in a different city, will I be more relevant? And it was really a wake-up call for me to come back into this, into this operational world. Not just the one that happens through screens and 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 appointments, but to just be in this random world and experience people. And so I just sat and I just watched and I sat and I listened and I sat and I just, uh, and over a course of time, I was only there for about an hour and a half, but over the course of the hour and a half, I started to see people checking me out, me checking them out and Suddenly conversation started. but but the barriers that that we have now that I have that I was surprised to see that I have from just living a life through a screen, it was like, wake up. it's like, here's reality. here are people. and it's easy when it's people you know or when you go so like when I go someplace with my wife, it's easier to interact. But I just went and I sat in a in a corner because that was the only table that was available. And I'm sipping my coffee and I'm making some notes as to what I wanna do. And I found the entry point into people's lives was more difficult. People were more protected, more guarded, more more amongst themselves. And the world that I had known when when I was first gonna go out, which was just more inclusive at least in this one moment in time was not that way. And I realized, gosh, I've got to get my mojo back. You know, because I'm going to set out in 2024 on a a world tour to bring love back into the world. So I'm calling it the World Love Tour. And I'm going to go all around the world. And I'm gonna. I'm hoping to have a sponsors sponsor it so that I can. I can take. Uh, I'm thinking of going in a Volkswagen electric bus, and just going around, driving around, and stopping along the way, and being with people, and lighting little fires of love doesn't matter if there's one or two or three or four people it doesn't matter it could be a hundred people could be one person but just lighting this that that area up with love and allowing those little fires to start to spread so that one fire starts and then ten miles there's another little fire and there's another little fire and pretty soon we have a raging fire of love that starts to spread around this world because one of the things that I'm really feeling. And this is mosaic driven. We have an option. I have an option in every moment of time to choose the world that I want to connect to. Because a piece has many different entry places. Each piece you can connect at the bottom, your corner, you can connect the top corner, you connect along the side. You have lots of opportunities to find connection places. And I find that the world often connects to places of disharmony rather than harmony. I find that it's easier somehow to disagree and fight with people than it is to love people. And I don't believe that's true. So slowly, one by one, by a hundred, by a thousand, by a million, I want to go to where people are and just be with them. And just allow the moment of that uncomfortableness of sitting in that cafe having no idea how to access anybody become that moment where access just naturally happens and i'm so excited
2: you know it's interesting i wrote down what you said choose the world i want to connect to When Gary and I were talking about the show today and and preparing for our interview with you, one of the things that came up strongly for the two of us, and it has to do exactly with what you said, choose the world I want to connect to. I believe that in the world of illustrators, that is depicted uh, no better than Norman Rockwell who depicted America as he wished it would be. And, And I have often said, Daniel, that I felt that Norman Rockwell actually in many ways did a disservice because he presented this ideal America where the soldiers were heroes. They weren't coming back. Uh, disabled and with PTSD he 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 showed everybody sitting around and praying at the Thanksgiving table rather than people fighting at Thanksgiving I mean the things that he showed were always the ideal and when we compare ourselves to the ideal we just fall short almost all the time yeah. And yeah. and so you know, it, I think that life in the United States, especially more recently, is more like Modern Family, <laughs> where where people are very diverse, very different, multicultural. It's not the way Norman Rockwell predicted it, and so that was one of the things that we wanted to talk with you about today. And it's interesting. That I see the same thing in Norman Rockwell that you're talking about choosing the world I want to connect to. And I would say Norman Rockwell wanted to connect to the world that he was depicting in his uh, Saturday uh, illustrations. What was the name of the magazine? Evening Post. Evening Post. Post yeah so so I think I think that there's that similarity. Do you sense that yourself with him?
3: uh yeah, I love what you just said and, and I love the cautionary um guideline that you gave me because clearly um Norman Rockwell was the f- in nineteen fifties right right and the, and the world of nineteen fifty is certainly very, very different than the world of twenty twenty three yes, and so clearly um the hint of Norman Rockwell, I see now in what we call social media. Because people present themselves on social media all too often in a normal in a Norman Rockwellian way, where everything is fine, where people are don't are, are scared to be vulnerable, don't want to show where their where their pitfalls are. The trip that I want to take is not a rose-colored glasses trip. The trip that I want to take is going into prisons, going into hospitals, going to where people hate each other and where people love each other. But I wanna show a multi-diverse world where no matter who we are, no matter how different we are, no matter what color our skin, what our economic uh, standing is, no matter how important our job is or not important our job is, there is always a place that is not Pollyannish, but that is really real, where we can connect. And I think I've said this to you before. I know it's one of the things that really is a, a central part of, of my existence now. Most of my life, I've been, I've been able to walk into places, and I was a fixer. And I was very good at it. I was highly paid to come into a come into a business and take a look and assess what the situation was that was wrong and fix it. I got so tired of being a fixer because I don't want to fix the world. I just wrote a post today um, that said, I'm not here to fix you I'm here, or to teach you. I'm here to love you. Love will teach you where to go. And once we get to a place where we can actually allow love to come back into our lives, where we can really let love be the thing that guides us, love will guide us to the place to go. It doesn't need need, um, fake gurus or people like myself who, who are struggling along the way, just like everybody else, to tell people what to do. All I need to do is fall in love with you. And what's happening to me right now, and I have no idea what's going on. I can't really figure it out. But this vibration of love has sort of entered into me. And I'm falling in love with random people that I have no there's no right to fall in love I don't know enough about them to fall in love with them I don't know and I don't mean romantic sexual love I don't mean that I'm going around and sleeping around and doing all that I mean that there is this energy that I feel when I'm with people that my heart just starts to expand and grow and ignite and sort of go on fire and I want to I want to somehow be able to share that feeling with other people. And so that's why I wanted to go, because no matter how good or bad a person is, everyone under the under the microscope of love shows something that, mo- that they don't show under the microscope of hate. Does that make any sense? I don't know if it's coming across the way I
0: want it to. Well, first of all, thank you for distinguishing what you were not talking about, because when you said falling in love with random people, I wanted to say, but enough about the 70s. right? And that part where under the microscopes, it depends on whose microscope, you know, that's that's an important thing you just said, because. If it's under a microscope, the first thought I have is it's that minute, that microscopic, because maybe they're too afraid, whatever individual, to reveal it, to be up front because they don't want to get hurt. They don't want to be betrayed again. Welcome to the story
3: of my life. I mean, I've been hurt so often in life, and I've lost people that are the closest to me in in my life. As a young boy, I lost my parents. I lost my wife. I have a developmentally delayed child. I've lost friendships. I've lost so many people. And I've put my heart out to people. And it's so easy. I, I notice me. I notice how I am, I am, I have, I have become used to living in a protected world. I've come become used to living in a fear-based life. That I don't, I'm scared to love you because if I love you, then I'll get hurt. The whole purpose of what I want to do on this trip in 2024 is I want to invite people into a love-based life. Like, what would actually happen if we just experienced the world from a place of love rather than one of fear? And I see it, but I see it from behind the screen of a protected environment of sitting on a computer screen. What I want to do is I want to be able to sit and be able to hold somebody who's in pain. I want to be able to sit with them and pray with them or be with them and love them. I want to be able to just like give them a meal, which I can't do through the screen. I want to be able to, even more than what I want to give, I want their love to enter me as well. Because there's something that happens when we fall in love with love that is absolutely so radically different. And when we love and accept people, listen to them and hear them and see and acknowledge them, and when I do that for myself, suddenly what happens is all my walls come down, all their walls come down, and we have what's called intimacy, intimacy. And that intimacy is so spectacular
2: you know i'm reminded and i'm i'm kind of giggling here to myself i'm i'm reminded of the movie groundhog day and it's coming up because groundhog day is coming up and bill murray is this egotistical self-absorbed oh he hates everybody just uh to the nth degree and in living each day over and over and over and over and over again you can see between the beginning of the movie and the end of the movie he is spending his entire day loving people catching the kid that falls out of the tree fixing the car of the women who get a flat tire I mean like everything that he does he does in love and, and he's so exhausted he can't even chase after uh andy mcdowell on on the last day because you know he's just spent the entire day loving all these other people and he never gets anything back again because he just starts the day all over again and it's every day is the same so it, it's interesting that that you put it that way because we go through these these lives in a pattern of what it is that we've learned and experienced. And, and so we repeat the pattern and repeat the pattern and repeat the pattern, you know, until until we're ready to give it up. Yeah. And, and then what is what is there when you are not being your egotistical egotistical self and 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 putting yourself first and hating everybody else? I mean, what happens at that point? You know, love comes back to you many times. Yeah, you know, over than what it is that you're giving.
3: I I so agree with what you say. And I'm so in tune with it. And I so connect to it. And you summed it up so perfectly what I feel. Because there is a part of me that is so afraid to change. Because I don't know who I would be if I don't act the way I've always acted.
2: Yes. Right? Yeah, we're all like that.
3: Right. But suddenly, unwillingly, unwittingly, The change is coming to me, not because I asked for it, not because I wanted it. I was scared to death of it. I still am. Something is being infused inside of me that says, aren't you you tired of living in fear? Aren't you tired of having all these walls around you protecting you? What would it be like if you allowed yourself to be vulnerable? Sure, you're going to get hurt, but you're hurting right now why don't you just open yourself up and let people in and and remember one of the big things that i said in this in this trip i don't only want to go out and love people i want people to be able i want to feel the love of people and accept that love and i believe it is the 70s all the music that i want to listen to on the trip is <laughs> 70s oriented so i really want to bring that era back in a, in a more elevated way because everything goes around in cycles, so I'm excited for it, and I can't wait for it. And I'm, uh, I, 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 I hope we'll come and see each out, come and see you, and we'll have fun together, and we'll go out and
0: you know mess around together.
2: Okay, we'll take you to the beach. Fabulous.
0: <laughs> you know, I look at uh, going back to Groundhog Day. There's uh, the reason why I one of those moments that told me why Bill Murray's character was salvageable, that he was capable of transformation, was the absence of the kind of spite that maybe all of us have at least felt momentarily. And that's when the kid is falling out of the tree. He catches him. And at one point, you'll recall, Murray's character says, you know, you have never thanked me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's doing this day in and day out. You have never thanked me. Now, a more spiteful person would take one of those days and say, let the kid hit the sidewalk (laughs) and he'll see a new view of reality. But he didn't do that. There wasn't that he was selfish as could be. But Murray's character was not unredeemable. Yeah. But the beauty of it was that he
3: wasn't doing it day after day after day after day. It was all the same day. And he was just living the same day over and over and over and over and over again. So it seemed like he was living it for days and days. But in the course of his, uh, in the course of that evolution of living that day differently, he became a different person. And there's no better point to what you're saying. Like you guys are so spot on for where for what I'm I'm, I'm saying. The place that we connect where he connected at one point spice spitefully and hating everybody and making fun of everybody and <laughs> everybody down and, and on a different day because he had the, he's lived that he lived that day so many doggone times now he saw the world in a completely different way same exact thing seen in a completely different way the power and beauty of perspective
0: we've got a good perspective going let's hold on to that keep that aura everybody we're going to take our one and only break of the hour Our honored guest of this hour, back for, what is it, the seventh time? Seventh time.
2: Lucky seven.
0: (laughs) Daniel Bruce Levin, author of The Mosaic. You want to talk allegory. You want to talk archetype. You want to talk about the essence of life. Read this book, The Mosaic. We are Manson Mitchell, and we'll be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please, get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure.
3: Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests.
0: We're a couple of baby boomers who bring you a talk radio mix of metaphysics and music, politics, and pop culture.
2: And you never know which celebrity will join us for an interesting conversation. Manson and
0: Mitchell is Boomer HQ, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on 1150 AM KKNW.
2: Your home for alternative talk in Seattle and Western Washington.
0: Ready to shake things up? Try Alternative Talk 1150.
2: Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Daniel Bruce Levin, author of The Mosaic. Um, Daniel, if people would like to either get The Mosaic or connect with you or find out more about your work, where is the best place for them to do that?
3: Uh, there's, They can go to my website, DanielBruceLevin.com. That's probably the best place.
2: Okay. Or, I, I had the mosaic online.com. You so also, that,
3: I have two websites So, so you two, the okay. online.com as well. That's fine.
2: All right. That's, and anything else going on that you would like to share?
3: I, I think <laughs> the biggest thing that's entered into my life is this world tour that I'm about to take.
2: Yes. And so yes. right now,
3: I'm, I'm, I'm really generating the the um, energy to find the people that will help to create that and to find ways to monetize it so that those people can all be paid there's a there's a man that I follow by the name of Satguru, and he has a hundred thousand volunteers that mm. help him go around and do that. That mm-hmm. would be beautiful and that's lovely, but I want people I want to be able to take care of people and pay people, yeah, but I so we're looking now for how would we how would we monetize? this whole effort so that people so that we don't buy a Volkswagen electric bus that Volkswagen we sit with Volkswagen and say how could we how could we get you to sponsor the tour and mm-hmm. we will promote the bus that we take all around the world and 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 we'll bring you advertising every single day every place we go we'll talk about it that that's what you know to do things like that that are creative that are that are beneficial that help each other out
2: Okay. I, I have said before, and I'll, I'll say it again, the, the book, The Mosaic, is a really beautiful black and white book with wonderful illustrations in it. It's got some heft to it. It makes a, a wonderful, wonderful gift book. One of the things I don't recall asking you, and if I did, I apologize that I have forgotten, but before I, I launch into the main part of what I want to talk about next, just the the word mosaic when when I read the book I'm I'm thinking web network Matrix do you see a lot of that in the same way or is the mosaic something different from those uh,
3: yes yes and yes all, all, all yes to every one of the things you just asked I I do see it that way I see it more and more that way and really originally I think when I wrote it, it was that no no interaction, no thing, nothing that happens stands on its own. It's all connected to something else. And seeing the world from a connected point of view where we where no man is an island, like John Dunn said or that no situation happens independent of any other situation or that the health of my body doesn't doesn't isn't different than the health of my mind or my ability to take care of my family or the work that I do or the interactions that I have with people that mosaic originally was the creation of all these pe- pieces that seem like they're independent pieces happening on their own finding the connectivity of all of those things in the moment of the moment
0: You remind me of the net of Indra there and you're a master of connectivity. My understanding of the net of Indra, now we're talking Eastern philosophy is that you have this constellation, a connection of jewels that shine in such a multifaceted way that the beauty and the light of each individual gem reflects all the others. Yes.
3: I, I, and again, I, you're spot on. I, it's, 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 It's as if your mouth is speaking my words. So I love that. Um, and then there's another part to it also. And when I look at how I change, how, do, how does a person change? Because if you think about what a mosaic is, if, if I'm a piece of the mosaic, and th- I'm surrounded by other pieces of the mosaic, and oftentimes those are pieces of like-minded people. But in order for me to be able to change, I have to get out of that surrounded situation. And the beauty of a mosaic is it's made up of broken pieces anyway. So literally, there are times where I have to shatter the environment that I'm in so that it can free me up from being surrounded by surrounded by surrounded by surrounded and allow me to take that one little piece and place it somewhere else in the in the artistry of the of the mosaic. And the beauty of a mosaic is that you can do that. You can take one piece from here and put it in a totally different section and it will it will create its own magic there. And so what I often want to just do is encourage people not to be trapped in the situation they're in that is not bringing them happiness anymore. So many people that I've met along the way are just doing what they're doing, which is not being happy so that they can continue doing what they're doing that doesn't make them happy. Like Alan Alan Watts says, there's there's no reason to continue to do things that don't make us happy. We can change. And if we have the courage to come from a love-based world where we choose to live from love, we choose to love ourselves enough, to care about ourselves enough to say, I'm no longer happy in the situation that I'm in. In order for me to do so, to become happy, I need to change either the way I relate to this situation or change the situation. And it's possible.
2: In, in the mosaic, I, I do not want to read the entire contents because it's rather long, but I want to read a little bit of the chapter titles for my question some of the chapter titles are the mortician the road worker the juice man the traveler the wise one the street artist the blind woman the trash man the mirror maker the flower girl and about a double more uh, of those and in in the mosaic it it seems like each one of these interactions is a piece of the mosaic and when in the first chapter, I don't think I'm going to give the whole book away by telling that uh, the traveler's father passes away. Mo, this young thirteen-year-old boy, and and the father comes to him in a dream and says, "What you need now, I cannot give you." Yes. One of the things that we were Gary and I were talking about this morning is that when you are a child. Your parents are your whole world. Every every man is your father. Every woman is your mother. And you are completely dependent upon them. In this case, when the father says, what you need now I cannot give you, is the boy entering into adulthood and looking and finding what it is he needs to grow into a man? And it seems as though the father archetype actually gets exploded into a, a million stars. And on this journey, Mo meets the trash man, the juice man, the flower girl, all of these people that are are parts of us that what? part? Other parts of the mosaic to do what for us?
3: So... <laughs> beautiful question by the way uh I, I haven't ever thought through that like you have and i really welcome your inquiry because it really uh, touches me and and promote and gives me the chance to express something that i probably never have expressed before so thank you so much for that question when most father says to him i can no longer give you what you need he realizes that Mo needs perspective. And Mo needs change of perspective. And he needs to be able to meet other people that have different perspectives. It was a a big task of mine to write a book about common, ordinary people. To write about the ordinary in a way that was extraordinary. Because all the time now people are thinking, what is your superpower? And I need to be this extraordinary human being. And I and and they I've watched myself too hold this bar to myself of I have to be like so great and I have to be so much that I really fall every single moment in it in, and I'm not able to achieve that because I'm not extraordinary. I'm just a simple ordinary person. And so What Instead of having these these beautiful moments, I have these moments of self-loathing and hatred because I can't be the person that I want to be. But nobody's asking us to be an extraordinary human being. What I wanted to do through the combination of people that Mo met was say that extraordinary things happen when extra-ordinaries come together. And when you bring... Ordinary people, lots of different types together, you create extra-ordinary situations. And And what does that really mean? The most thrilling moment for me that I experience in my life is when I sit with somebody, and we're looking at exactly the same thing, and they see it entirely different than I do. Oftentimes, that would create tension and fight. And one of us would try and convince the the other, no, you don't see it right. The the way I see it is correct. i rather say, oh, my God, will you take a moment and just show me the way you see this? Because that's extraordinary. Because if I can see it the way you can see it, first of all, my scope of what I'm looking at grows exponentially. And also, it allows me to feel and experience the reality of another human being. Rather than think everybody has to be like Danny, which I spent a lot of time doing, by the way. But it was thankless and and not very pleasant. And I found myself disagreeing all the time with everybody around me trying to promote myself to this extraordinariness that I believed I had to be. And it's all just bogwash. It all just is a made-up story that carries no relevance. And so I wanted to write a book that was change my life but not by going to holy men and women around the world to ask what they've done. That's been done millions of times. I wanted to go to the simplest people on the the world. I wanted to speak with the trash man. I wanted to speak with the juice man. I wanted to speak with the blind woman and the homeless guy. I wanted to speak with the people that nobody speaks with, and, and I wanted to listen to them because their perspective is so rich. And it's so beautiful. And just to give you an example, I always love to speak of the trash man. So it becomes very real. When I first met the trash man, I was walking in the middle of a downtown street. The Street was immaculately clean. I had nothing on me, no backpack, nothing in my pockets. And the trash truck just stopped in front of me and said, do you have any trash for me to take? And I looked at him like, what the hell are you talking about? The street is clean. I don't have anything on me. And I was just about to say, what are you, crazy? What are you talking to me like about? And I realized, oh, hold on. He isn't talking about physical trash. He's talking about, do I have concepts in my head that that are, are just trashed concepts that are keeping me from being able to access things that are right in front of me that I can't see? And I thought, wow, that's a trash man that I'd like to meet often. Because yes, I have a lot of those.
2: I met a trash man and and I'm going to make this story brief. The, um, The trash man of my teenage years was somebody that I never interacted with. He was a big, tall, imposing person. My brother, who was 10 years younger used to hop on the truck and help him with the trash. They had a relationship, my brother and the trash man. And at the end of the day, they would split up whatever goods they found that weren't really trash, but somebody was throwing them out. So, you know, my brother might come home with some uh, valuable item uh, for himself from his trash man days. Plus, usually a couple of dollars too. Trash man paid him. To help uh, pick up the trash. My brother had a very bad accident when he was 11, and he was uh, confined to the living room couch for quite a long time as he was healing up. And one day when there was a knock on the door, I opened it up, and there was that very large imposing person saying, I haven't seen your brother. What, you know, how is he doing? And I said, well, he had a very bad accident. If you'd like to come in and say hello, you can. And so I invited the trash man in. He sat and talked with my brother for a few minutes. And they definitely had a close relationship. And then when he left, he said he wanted to explain to my brother about workers' compensation. And he gave him the $2 he would have gotten had he been with him on the truck that day. Wow, beautiful. And left. That was my experience of a trash man.
3: When I was a kid, I love that because when I was a kid, I used to sit on the front lawn and we had a driveway between the houses, and the trash truck would come through the driveway. And I would sit on Fridays, on Friday mornings, and await the trash truck. And I was just mesmerized by this truck where they would put pick up these cans and throw things in the truck, and the truck would grind it up, and then it was gone. And I was I would sit there, and I probably sat there for four or five months until one day, one of the trash men said, "Would you like to come around the block with us?" And I I I thought I died and went to heaven. I said, really, I can come with you? And I got on the trash truck. My mom was looking out the kitchen window and said, where are you taking him? What are you gonna do? I, I said, mom, it's okay. This is like my dream. The trash man is letting me ride the truck. And she said, if you don't have him back in tenant, I said, mom, just relax. Cause he was a different color from a different part of town, a different, you know, section. And I said, mom, this is like a dream come true. Don't worry. I'm gonna have fun. And we went around the trash we went around the neighborhood, and he allowed me to pull the lever that got the truck to grind. And I just fell in love with that man. I felt like this was the most important day in the life of, a ch- of my childhood where I could take the trash of another person and grind it up so that it's nothing and that it was invisible. I think that was such a significant event in my life that as I grew older, that became the work that I did. Not on a truck, but in the work of organizations, in the work of businesses, in the work of relationships. I literally found a way to find the trash that was keeping people from having the life that they wanted. Which was keeping me from having the life that I wanted. <laughs> and grind that up and take it away. Now, is the trash man, would you find him in any temple or synagogue or church or, or a mosque? giving sermons on any particular day, no. But is the story of the trash man's life so significantly beautiful that he could challenge any sermon in any place with the simple story of how easy it is to get rid of your trash? (laughs) That's what I wanted to do in the mosaic is find the elegance and the beauty of absolutely every single human being that exists, that if we would only take time to be with them and listen to them and sit with them and enjoy them and hear them out, we would walk away as completely changed individuals. That trash man, when I was four years old, still is my teacher today.
0: I look at it socioeconomically and I'm reminded of an episode of the great comedy series probably the best written one of all time, Frazier, and there was Roz, the producer. Now, she had a rocky dating life, and in one episode, she found herself smitten with her trash man. He was a young, handsome man, fit, a a total gentleman. He was well-read, and he took away garbage for a living. And Mm -hmm. she was ashamed of him. And then she became ashamed of her judgment about him. When I put that in perspective, I'm reminded of one central fact. Our trash day is Monday there and the guys on the trash truck for that brief moment, when they pull up to your driveway and they take away your trash, they're the most important people in your life at that moment. It doesn't get more central than that. Otherwise, what are you going to do with the trash? It becomes your job. They're not mere functionaries, but they are integral to daily life. Beautiful. Uh, and we're speaking of the trash man, but that could also be
3: the juice man. That could also be the street cleaner. That could also be the homeless guy that's sitting outside. On If we take the time and actually allow ourselves to experience the human being behind the persona and we connect to them like mosaic pieces if we allow them to come and become part of our mosaic the texture and flavor and beauty of our mosaic completely changes
2: you know, I I wanted to go back to something you said earlier that really struck me. And I think that is um, like what the conversation is about. When we are a piece in a mosaic, we have other pieces around us that we are very familiar with and other ways of and ways of being that we're very familiar with because we know we have the blue color above and the red to the right and the green next to us and the yellow below us. And, you know, we know what all of those are, but to remove ourselves, remove our peace from the mosaic and put it in another place, gives us an entirely new perspective Not only about the other colors and the other placements in the world, but also it gives us additional experiences. And I think that we get a little stale when Mm -hmm. we, we are surrounding ourselves entirely with the same people all the time and never changing. There is a stuckness about that which doesn't allow our soul to advance
3: a billion percent. And isn't that what's called innovation when we allow ourselves to no longer see the world the way we've always seen it, but allow a new world to come in and just imagine this, like it's only in the English language is probably it happens, but how beautiful that P I E C E peace and P E A C E peace sound the same even though they're completely different conceptual things so when you take your p-e-a-c-e out of that mosaic and put and bring that p-e-a-c-e to a different place what does that do like we get comfortable bringing our peace to where it's peaceful but how comfortable are we bringing peace to places that are not peaceful part of the reason why i'm going on this tour is I want to go to places that are not peaceful and see what the effect of one person might be able to be. And will peace be possible by taking the P-I-E-C-E of me and the P-E-A-C-E of me and implanting it in a new place for a short period
2: of time? I love that.
0: I wish you success with that, too. I love the idea that people can gain from their association with you, even if it's indirectly. What if a bunch of electric buses get sold because of this tour? That's really, in a literal sense, putting it out there. I hope someone in high places sees the value of your idea and of you yourself, Daniel.
3: Thank you so much. That's so kind of you. I I feel very, very, very blessed and i feel like like when i start to live a love-based life where and i trade in my fear-based life and i allow love to guide me i believe it will take me to all the right people all the right places all the right situations and i believe selfishly i will become a different person I want to thank you for being part of that trip already right here with you. I feel so much love for you and so much kindness to you and so much gratitude to you for having me on now seven times. But even this time, it felt like we went places deeper than we had before. Yes. Yes.
2: So and we'll, have, we'll do it for number eight, too. We'll have thank to you for ourselves. being with us
0: anyone interested, Frasier, season nine, episode five. Love stinks. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, we thank you for joining us. Have a wonderful weekend, everyone.